Hey everyone, and welcome back to BPX After Dark, Auction Edition. Broadcast live each Sunday night in Twitter spaces at Radish Digital. That's digital with a J. Hosted by the members of the Radish Cabal, JRP, Tech Super, Brody, and Jorzane. A show that breaks down all the BPX Auction Alpha, which cards are going for a steal, which cards you should be focusing on, and now going once, going twice. Let's get to this week's auction. Welcome everyone to a special BPX After Dark Auction Edition. I'm Tex Hooper coming to you live from the Radish Digital Studios in Syracuse, New York. As always, we are sponsored by Jake Hafner's Restaurant and Tavern in North Syracuse, New York. Be sure to stop by and tell them how much you appreciate their support of the show. I'm excited to introduce today Jeff French, i.e. Frenchie from Black Packs, the man who is leading and innovating where few others dare, the collectible auction marketplace. And how he's doing it? Well, through actions like digital representation of physical items, immediate transfer of ownership, and of course, most importantly, transparency, transparency, transparency. Blackpacks has just completed version one of their digital auction format, and we invited Frenchie here today to talk about that version one, what it looked like, what he felt went well, what didn't, uh, what he'd like to improve, and where we go from here with version two, and when will version two begin? So, welcome, Jeff. It's great to have you. Thanks so much for having me on, Tex. I appreciate it. Always excited to talk to any of the guys and gals from the the radish uh, the radish cabal. Yeah, well, we really appreciate your time. I think the uh, community will uh, will love this. So, how did version one end up? You know, I think overall things went really well. Um, you know, we, we sit and we we try to make decisions on how we build things and we build around a certain ethos that we have as a company. And you, know, you mentioned and you actually emphasize that transparency, transparency, transparency. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big benefits of the blockchain for a card type auction. And it was something that we were super excited about kind of coming in. And, you know, so that's why it's part of why we built it the way we did it, for those who don't know, you would basically get your your BPX reward miles, which are, are usable as an ERC-20 crypto token. Um, version one, you had to have those self-custodied. You had to have them in your own wallet. And then other than that, the auction mostly behaved like uh, any other auction. One big difference is that everything was a spot bid, meaning you basically would sign a transaction on the blockchain and you would place your bid the tokens would actually come out of your wallet, so they were held. If you were then the high bidder, they would then be available to go to the to the to the consigner of the card, and so you you couldn't place like a high bid the way you would on eBay or another platform. Um, so that was a, a bit different. But outside of that, it was pretty much once you had the 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 currency, you were it was able to just basically participate in an auction. Overall, really well embraced by the community. Um, we had really good participation. I don't have the exact number of total bidders, meaning people that hold some BPX, how many of them bid, but I do know that it's it's high. People that had enough to to bid on cards, they were they were pretty active and they were there. They were bidding and you had all different types, man. You had people that were real aggressive after certain cards that they really wanted. You had some people who were playing a little bit more of the peer versus peer, trying to find a deal and they were willing to almost take any card if it was if if they felt that the the price they were getting was a below market price. Saw all types there, and um overall fairly high marks. Pain points that people had right off the bat: gas fees. That one mm-hmm. was that did not land well with the market. So when you think about it, the gas fees are. For the because we ran this on the Ethereum blockchain, we could have reduced the gas fees in dollar terms if we had done it on, say, Polygon, which is we, we could have gone that route. We chose not to. We chose main chain because that's where the, 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 the currency, the token lives. If we were going to do it on Polygon, you would have to bridge the currency over. It would have just added a whole lot more technical <laughs> hair to it. Um, so we opted for the main Ethereum chain which did lead to the higher gases, higher gas fees. And even though the auction itself was pretty well gas optimized, it just so happens Murphy's law. If you remember back the time we dropped it, <laughs> yeah. the, um, the, the, I'll, I'll keep it family friendly. The crap coin era kicks in, right? And 
kind of had that meta last for a while. And next thing you know, gas fees are through the roof and it was costing people. I think we kind of peaked at one point. I think it got close to $20 clo to, to, to place a bid if you hit it at the wrong time. And that that's just, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to put in $20 bids and lose an auction and or, or even win right. an auction. Nobody wants to pay $20 mm -hmm. to bid. So very quickly, it became clear that we had some work that we had to do. Like, so we had to work to get the auctions gasless. We had to make some changes. So we messaged that to the community. We did some things to offset the gas fees. We had some rebates in place, especially when it spiked up the highest. Mm -hmm. uh, we did some things to mitigate around that. So that, but I, I'd say outside of gas, um, I think for the most part, everything else from, at least from my seat, I think went well. I think that most of the auctions were spirited. We had a lot of cards come through. We had a lot of cards that were sent in on consignment. I know that mm -hmm. a few consigners feel that their cards went light. Um, I feel like that's I part can, of the I, risk. That's, that's part of it's any it's any time. But yeah. I would say overall, I, like um, each auction, I had a spreadsheet on what we anticipated they would go for, kind of like our market. Mm -hmm. we, we we had an idea, and we actually were consistently above in the aggregate like the, like the auction prices were strong um mm -hmm. but we had a few a few weak pockets here and there on some individual cards but overall you know pretty good strength in the the type of the type of activity and the type of prices that the that the assets commanded for for at auction so again overall i i i think it was i think it was good i think it taught us a lot and um and now we're sharpening the pencil, like you said, and we're getting ready for for V2, which I know you want to kind of unpack and talk about. But um, how do you think version one went? What's the what's the temperature in the Radish Discord or places where I might not be looking? Um, like mm -hmm. wh how what what are what were some of the positives, maybe some of the the, the negatives that you you heard? I think overall uh, it was an excellent experience for everybody. Um, again, the gas, you know, as you stated, was an issue in the beginning. Um, Gas seemed to level out, you know, towards the the last half of the uh, the auction weeks here and stuff. So that wasn't as much of a problem, I don't think, for everybody. And as far as um, you know, I I also do a show where we talk about the auction items as their the auction is in uh, extended time, and most everything went at or near comp usually every week. Um, occasionally, we'd have something go a little over comp. Um, so I thought it was successful from that standpoint. I think anybody that put a card in with, you know, few exceptions got pretty much close to what they were expecting to get for the right. card. Um, I think, you know, there's always little things that can be tightened up here and there. I think maybe the time in extended bidding could be shortened a little on the resets. But again, that might be something that you're addressing in version two. I'm not sure. But overall, from the community standpoint people loved it you know and like you said i think it was very successful um do you have a do you know off the top of your head how much in bp was actually spent in the auctions uh i want to say that it was somewhere in the ballpark of don't quote me on this but i i mm -hmm. know how the consignment cards did and i know we had some stuff in there that wasn't consignment and we had some stuff in there that was crowd slabs and stuff um it should be somewhere in the 15 to 17 million uh, actually, really? maybe it may be as high as 20 million BPX cycle through. Maybe I, I'd have to go back and pull it. I, I know that on the um, on the con just the consignment cards, I know they did right at 12 million. And then okay. we had and then we had some pretty big. Uh, we had some big crowd top cards that cycled through. So those would have mm -hmm. and the, most of those were like top end headliner type. So they would have they would have stacked it up pretty quickly. Uh, and then we had some inventory on the the non-consignment auction, so like the, mm -hmm. the Wednesday auction, the the TCG auction. Yeah, now that I say all that, it, it was probably a, it was probably north of twenty. Mm -hmm. I started adding that. Um, I, I think another thing the community, um, you know, kind of talked about a lot was, and this may be again something that's being addressed in version two, um, is that you know we had the wednesday auctions we had the live auctions. sometimes we had the general auctions we had yep. the a lot. sunday auctions we had big monday yep. and outside of the sunday auctions there didn't seem to be a lot of consistency mm -hmm. in when the other ones would necessarily happen yeah we experiment we experimented some for sure mm -hmm. and we we didn't 
we were more willing to experiment. You, if, you, if you notice what we did with the consignment cards, it was very important to me that everyone kind of get treated fairly. Like, like if you if you send cards in to a big auction house, you know they're gonna they're gonna slate their auctions to maximize overall auction value and try to get you more money for your card. But yet they're gonna have kind of autonomy of how when which auction they're gonna put your card in, mm -hmm. how they're gonna pair it up, what your lot number is, all those things. Are, are pretty much going to be subjective and you're you're trusting that auction house to do that. I didn't want to be in a situation where someone was going to say, well, why did Texas card run this week when, you know, and my card ran on this week that for whatever reason, I believe I got a lesser week. So that's why we did mm -hmm. things like the drawing for all of the cards um, so that you we, we put them in tiers. We weren't going to have like one auction, have all the big cards and one have all the small right. cards. Mm -hmm. but, so we had a strategy there, but then we also... In the spirit of fairness, we tried to, to, to utilize that to kind of get everybody in. So the Sunday auction was one that we really hyper-focused on because they were the community's cards. To be honest, right. I, I gave the guys a lot more autonomy on what they wanted to experiment with during the week when it was our cards mm -hmm. because I right. I just wanted them to, to learn. We I wanted them to experiment with the live auction format. I wanted them to experiment with things like themed auctions. So I just I gave the, I gave them a lot of reins to to experiment and learn. I did not have a huge hand in structuring how that stuff worked. I, I wanted I really wanted to mm -hmm. empower them to to figure some stuff out. And whereas I did have a pretty big hand in saying this is how the consignment auctions have to work, right? Right. So that's probably why you you noticed that. And and so there probably were some the best time to get sleeper deals were probably in some of those auctions where we were experimenting. Um, yeah, I think the live auctions had some had some nice deals in them. If, you know, if yeah. you were around for those. Yeah, and that's a um, tough now, one, right? Putting everybody in Discord. Uh -huh. I mean, we would generally get. Um, you know, I would even like sometimes people like I I sit some things out sometimes and then come back and watch the recordings because mm -hmm. if I'm in the room, um, and I was in the room sometimes and the guys would do something and I just didn't quite agree with it and I'm in the chat like I just can't resist, man. I can't. So right, like, right. <laughs> and I don't want to micromanage what they're doing. I want to let them mm -hmm. let them spread their wings and figure stuff out. But I'm like, no, don't do that. Do it this way or whatever. And, right. and like I'm trying to change the rules in the chat. And so I actually kind of started sitting them out and I would come back and watch later. But you know, we had 50 sometime. I mean, the, the good ones we were up to like 70 or so people in the in the audience right. for some of the the live auctions. And then I'd say the bad ones where we didn't weren't quite as well attended, it may have gotten down in the low. I don't think mm -hmm. we had many below forty. I think they were in the forties for the most part. Like, right? But it, there were people there, and but you're right, there were some deals that slipped through because. Um, now, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Finish. Finish your. Thought. No, I was just saying because you know that unless you were like there, there were just some cards where maybe there was you know there weren't a lot of people that were right. that were after it. I mean, it mm -hmm. was not every card's a Mickey Mantle. Like almost every Mickey Mantle. Mm -hmm. We had one mantle that went kind of cheap. It was just funny, but other than that, like every Mickey Mantle went crazy. But then we, you know, you get on, you get some. Uh, I won't say obscure, but some B or C level modern player that yeah, there's mm -hmm. not a whole lot of collectors that happen to be in that cohort of forty or fifty people that really want that. That's where you get the right. deal. It really slips through. Or it's a card, a modern card that has, you know, there's there's twelve thousand PSA tens of them. You know, mm -hmm. so that. You know, kind of drags the value down. Yeah, that goes both um, ways because those are the most liquid too. So you can, you know, what they're right. Worth, yeah, you can right. So it, it cuts yeah. both ways. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, do you plan on continuing those auctions, those different auctions in version two? Um. So right now, I will tell you that I we don't have everything fully fleshed out on mm -hmm. that side of things, but I'm I'm not afraid to speak in the abstract and let you know what we're thinking. The themed auctions as a whole didn't do quite what we wanted them to do. Um, however, would they have done, would they, if the, if the active base of collectors that were engaged with it was 3,000 paying attention instead of 300 paying attention? And, um, and the answer to that is probably yes, but then is there, so I want to make sure there's not a market fit hole there where we do have some market fit. We just didn't quite have the right people in yet. Our group is very much a sports themed group, right? Mm -hmm. um, we had we did have some deals on things like Pokemon or if a Magic the Gathering card came through. Um, a lot of times you were able to get deals there. Um, so, you know, it just we're just constantly trying to, to learn 
to answer your question directly, will those formats continue? I don't have the specific answer on that yet, but I think what you can expect. Oh goodness, that's my daughter. I should have turned that off. Um, yeah. I think uh, I have a feeling why she's calling me because I'm like she's really on the other side of that wall right there, and she's sick, and she's probably calling me, Dad. I'm so sick, um, and you're out there making all that noise. What are you doing? Do you do you need to? Do you need to take a moment? And no, she's fine. My wife's at home too. So I she's probably calling okay. me to, to complain that I'm being too loud. I, so I'll talk a little softer for her. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, will we continue those formats? I think to answer that directly, I think you'll probably see some of them sporadically. But I think the main thing that I think we're going to move to towards the big, the single biggest thing is we do want to go to where there's a monthly bigger auction that we really mm -hmm. try to focus a lot of energy and attention on and right will there how will the satellite auctions work then probably still a little bit more uh nebulous as we kind of just play with those but i think mm -hmm. what you can expect to see is that one bigger auction that'll that'll happen per month okay and now um you kind of touched on this a little and it was a question that was brought up um with some of the community members uh last night actually we were talking um do you foresee a time when the community would uh, you would try and transition the community away from Discord to kind of bring in more people? Because Discord, um, I know, can be somewhat limiting of an audience because a lot of people are unfamiliar with Discord and how it works, and it's kind of intimidating. Sure. And sure. I know you're trying to grow through credit cards and the version 2 auctions. So do you think that it might be that Discord might have to be... Yeah, so I kind of can put to the side for something else. I think I can hit this one pretty clear and just because it's good for everyone to understand what our direction is on that. I think mm -hmm. our goal is for newcomers to not need Discord, but we definitely okay. have no plans to deprecate Discord or, or stop using it. I'm a huge sure. fan of it. It's a it's a it's critically important for our ecosystem. And I think mm -hmm. what'll happen is as we attract new collectors, you're gonna have some, they won't ever they'll never install the discord app they'll never come in there and that's on us to make sure that they know everything that they need to know meaning they understand what's going on in hth they understand what the other collections are that they can participate in they understand how all the points work and when payouts are and everything that's being announced in discord has it's it, that it's that all of that is getting disseminated to the collector base and we have no gaps in knowledge and what people understand like i don't mm -hmm. get in a discord to participate in the golden or the pwcc auction right i just i know they, they send right. me emails mm -hmm. they send me texts i know when they are i go and i bid on them um so i think all those things we can we can and we must do but discord i think will at least i imagine in always being home of our power mm -hmm. users, right the I mean, once someone is deep enough in and they decide they want to own a card geek, I can't imagine new collectors that learn what the card geeks are. They learn that there's a lounge that they can go in and talk to the other <laughs> card geeks. They learn that they can uh, level up their HTH heroes with a card geek. They learn that they get access to presale. I just can't fathom a world where that person, once they buy a geek, won't come to Discord, right? Right. And, and mm -hmm. so I think those people, we, I think we will get more power users that will, that will come in. Um, but so, so again, to answer the question directly, no, I definitely don't see Discord going away. Um, okay. But you will very much see us working to make it where Discord is absolutely not a requirement and that anyone can fully participate and enjoy everything we're doing and never install the Discord app. And now, how do you foresee that happening through like a weekly newsletter or through a all, all channels like through the website or yeah, all the website needs to be so one is making the website easier and more intuitive. Like mm -hmm. when we launched the the marketplace, I know we want to talk about auction, but we most of the people listening to this are probably they're familiar with this stuff, so we can talk about this as well. But so when we released mm -hmm. version one of the block packs marketplace, um there was like a little bit of confusion among our existing users of, okay, where exactly is the marketplace? Well, it's, it's, it's literally, you know, block packs has changed. Think of it now. Block right. packs is to what we used to know as OpenSea. Our drops that get promoted on block packs are just like the drops that OpenSea promotes. And then the collections all have their own marketplace view and that sort of thing on block packs where you can go and buy, sell trade, see the activity for the ones that were set building is relevant. We want to get the set builder in there as well, just like, so you can click, 
all the items in the collection that's for sale, click over mm -hmm. and see the activity of everything that's sold, be able to sort that for comps by colors and all that sort of thing. Click the next tab over and see the set builder. Click the next tab over and see like your individual points or if it's the color pop, see the, the, the fantasy scoring, all that stuff we wanted to all live in that one place. And really when you think about it, when once that is the way that everything is, it just becomes so much more intuitive for users. They'll know what's going on. So if you're coming to the Block Packs Marketplace, you're building your collections, you're active, we've got that real estate there where right now it says, you know, buy baseball packs. Of course, that'll flip to football. Great real estate there. Um, getting people on text lists, very important for us. And then also the way we do our email correspondence, very important to us. And then also having the BPX news where there's this constant feed that you can always on your own, if you missed your email or you didn't open the text, mm -hmm. go there and see what's up. Um, that's a big part of the communication strategy. And, uh, and also you've heard us talk about this, but we are working very hard to ready ourselves for 2024 to have a broader rollout to where Home Team Heroes is available in hobby shops around the country. And I am a big believer that once <laughs> we execute on that strategy, that that will also increase our communication tenfold. Because the same way mm -hmm. we have our small active community in Discord, I believe that can be duplicated at scale across hobby shops all around the country. There's about 2,000 hobby shops that sell sports cards in America today. If we penetrate over the next year or two, 500 of those, and each of those hobby shops has an mm -hmm. average of around 100 collectors centered around their shop, it's 50,000 people collecting in our universe that have a home base that they can go to for information because we'll, we will mobilize those hobby shops as our local experts. So that's another way too. So just all of the things to make sure that we can keep people informed. We don't want people to feel mm -hmm. lost. And, and I think that's a very important piece of the puzzle for sure. Now, um, I think there's a lot of excitement around the hobby shops that will be coming in, uh, you know, in the next, I believe it's over the next few months or maybe after the first of the year. We've got some that are starting um, right after football. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Right with, okay. right with football. We have a few um, and we're doing a few test events and that sort of thing. So we're rolling that out right okay. now. Now, how will that work with the auctions? Like, is there any, um, is there any tie over between the hobby shops and the auctions and as far as what gets pulled? Uh, the biggest thing the that might, yeah, no, the biggest, the biggest thing might be as far as how the hobby, the hobby shops would also benefit from that as an, as another layer would be, we obviously need inventory for all of those. And as we scale, the bigger we get, the more inventory we need. And it would certainly make sense that the first place we go would be the hobby mm -hmm. shop. I mean, um, We've bought from all the hobby shops that have organically found their way into our community. You, you know who a couple of those are. And I do, yes. You know, mm -hmm. To this point, they really haven't had, we haven't been able to really give them a good, strong financial incentive to help move the product. They really just moved it because they believed in it as collect. They loved it, right? And that, mm -hmm. that's an amazing proof point. But I mean, I want them to be rewarded for that action because when, when a customer comes into their shop, that's how they make their living. That's how they put their food on the table. So mm -hmm. we need to make sure that there's a very clear earning opportunity for that hobby shop so that when they have the choice, do I this person's asking about a, a, a poster I've hung up of Matata, do I then sell mm -hmm. them Home Team Heroes here? Or do I say, yeah, yeah, here's all the wrong Lacuna <laughs> cards that make me money, right? Right, right, so, yeah. So we want to make it to where I've, I've told them this when we've done uh, – our welcome calls with our hobby shops. I mean, I want it to be when a customer walks into their store, they want nothing more than that customer to become a home team heroes collector. Mm -hmm. The financials for them over time, the lifetime value of the customer, what it does as far as the, the joy and excitement it brings the customer, which then in turn improves their business. I want that to be mm -hmm. one of the first things they do. So yeah, we're definitely going off a tangent here on the auction side, but, 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 but those hobby shops, I think absolutely a great source of inventory for us for mm -hmm. the auctions. Um, you know, those are relationships that I think could just be critically important for us. And right now, I'll just make this quick point. We're at a bit of an inflection point as it relates to the hobby as a whole and as it relates to mm -hmm. the way things are done. I mean, you've got Fanatics has come in, they've taken over tops, they're imposing a lot of new rules on hobby shops. I've talked to these owners. Um, you know, if, if Fanatics thinks that the, um, that the, how do I say this? If they think that the approval rating of what they're doing is is high among hobby shops, then they're getting in 
very different feedback than what I'm getting when I talk right. to them because the, the nobody would wants to say anything publicly bad about fanatics because nobody's gonna a hobby shop's not gonna launch to their Instagram and really raise right. hell about fanatics because then you don't have product to sell. But I will just mm -hmm. tell you that behind the scenes, these hobby shops are very concerned about some of the moves that are being make and made. And I think that they feel that their businesses are going to get squeezed, that um, you know, some of the monopolistic stuff that we're hearing is, especially on the sports side, they're they are fearful of that. Um, right. Mm -hmm. One company have all the major sports and, and that, you know, if you do something wrong, if you, if a box that was sold to you for hobby reach ends up in a break and like, even if you didn't do anything wrong, like they're literally afraid. It's like, you know, right. like, what if they track a product back? They got put in a break and I just sold it. Like, and now the guy broke it and they're coming to me because I sold the box. They're like, they're, they're freaking right. out a little bit. So all that to say. It's a really interesting time in dealing with hobby shops. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that they have seen is they've seen some of these digital products just come along that completely cut them out. If you open a physical product that they've sold in their shop, how often mm -hmm. is there something in there now that's trying to pull you to the digital product? If they sell a box right. of Magic the Gathering cards and you open it, and you get the promotion for Magic the Gathering Arena, and you go to Magic the Gathering Arena, and you end up spending thousands of dollars in Magic the Gathering Arena. Right. How much did your local hobby shop make? Zilch. Yeah, nothing. All they made was the spread on that box. And, and, and yet, they were the reason, especially if they introduce a new person to something, right? Um, mm -hmm. We had the Lorcana release. Disney Lorcana released. A lot right. of people got exposed to that in their local hobby shop. Well, now they've... Basically, hobby shops right now are kind of in a hole. They can't get new supply, and it's rolling into Targets and Best Buys, and that's where the supply is. And so the hobby shop that introduced that that collector to Lorcana is now sitting mm -hmm. and watching that collector go to Best Buy or Target and buy the product. And Best Buy and Target, the people in there, it's just mercenary, man. Stick it on an end cap and sell it. Yeah, the, yeah, the they hobby shop for a yeah. different are different bit. We want to be the mm -hmm. first ever digital product to truly support local hobby shops. And I'm and yes, it sounds a little bit altruistic, but it's also so beneficial to our business. Like I right. feel like I, I am being a little mercenary by doing that because I think it's just mm -hmm. going to it even though I'm going to help them win in their business and help them tap into the the opportunity to earn from digital product, which is all great for them. Mm -hmm. It's also hugely beneficial to us and our collector base. So it's there's a big win-win there. I'm super pumped about it too. Yeah, I mean, in a way, you've really lucked out with Fanatics doing this because it really opens the door for you with especially some of the smaller hobby shops. Perfect that, like you said, are going to have a hard time getting the product. Uh, you know, in with all the rules and everything. God forbid they. Yep. you know, break a rule somehow, you know, it's going to affect their next uh, shipment. And, and I don't know if you, you know, possibly if you all their shipments. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that number I said a minute ago, but like a lot of times um, I do a little bit of angel investing. A lot of times somebody will bring me a deck and they're basically trying to say, if we just get 1% of China, we'll be in great shape. Right. It's the 1% yeah, of China. Right. That's like, hey, okay, sure. But you're not going to get 1% yeah. of China. <laughs> so I'm not just throwing these numbers out as something that's unattainable, but let's just think about that for right. one second. 2000 hobby shops. If we could just, over the next couple of years, penetrate mm -hmm. 500 of them, and they average 100 customers for HTH apiece, that's 50,000 collectors in the Home mm -hmm. Team Heroes universe. Imagine what that does and how different things look than they look today, where we have, you know, six, 700 total collectors, 300 kind of hyper collectors. Right. Mm -hmm. Take that number to 50,000, and oh my gosh, I mean, it's a, it's a game changer. It's a whole new world. Yeah, it's a whole new yeah. world. It's, and uh, those people have a place they can call home and someone they can ask right. for help. And the hobby, and we're constantly keeping those hobby shops, we're turning their staff into experts mm -hmm. and basically mobilizing them to go out and sell a digital product. And I, and I just don't see anyone else in the digital sphere that even has that on their radar, man. They're all just thinking about pull them into their app, pull them into their website, yeah. sell, sell, sell. They're, they're not thinking about it. Right. Yeah, no, there's a lot to be said for brick and mortar still, especially in the in the hobby world. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's brilliant what you've done with that. And um, I can't wait till it launches it. I'll have to travel somewhere to a hobby shop. I don't really have one near me. That I well, hopefully we'll get some close to um, you in the, in, the, in the time ahead. So I hope so. Um, so anyway, 
let's get back to um, the version two of the auctions. Um, if you just want to kind of walk us through, uh, you know, kind of the game plan for the rest of the month. And I know, uh, I believe you said you were targeting the 15th. We were around the, no, we're going to be late. It's going to be late. Okay. Um, okay. because we're just, we're, we're just behind on a few other things as we rolled the marketplace right. out just trying to get some of the UI bugs out. We had, I needed to get, we, we needed to get like transfers in and I just ended up having to use, um, some of the key resources that would do the auction, they've just been pulled in some other direction. So we're going to be late. I don't think we're going to be like, it's not going to be Christmas, but we're going to be late from the 15th. I'll try to give a better update when I'll be able to update that better once the the store credit to the existing marketplace is the next really big thing that I'm just, I told the guys, like, I got to have that in by football, like get that done by football. So they're kind right. of all hands on that. As soon as that's done, then I'll be able to say, okay, deep breath. Now you two, get the auction in and get it gasless and all that sort of stuff and, uh, and get that up. So we are a little bit behind and I will update when I have a firmer update, I'll get okay. it out. Yeah. But, I think everybody understands that, you know, you guys are building the plane as you're flying it, you know? So no, we patient. all understand that. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, there's, there's going to be some bumps in the road. Uh, there's going to be some delays put on things, but yeah. you know, I mean, it's been amazing what you guys have been able to do just in the last year since last year's national. I mean, it's, it's basically a completely new, you know, thing. You. It's really amazing. So, you. you know, I don't think anybody, you know, uh, is worried about, you know, a couple week or a month delay. Yeah. Um, and and our, our, our community has a tremendous amount of patience, but I will say this mm -hmm. and, and, um, and Slappy made this point and it's hundred percent valid. The existing community is used to web three and they're used to, they under, they've gotten an understanding now that, okay, this stuff is pretty complicated and it, mm -hmm. and it, it isn't as easy as, as developing in web two. The new people that we're going to start getting, like when we're launching a major media campaign on the seventh to to promote football, direct response. Okay. People are coming by. Like I've I've given um, my agency side. We they they've I've got several of my best media buyers are teed up, um, and they're going to be spending multiple six figures just for football in the first month. And so it's a it's a significant investment. Will that be like through Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, everywhere? You're going to see you'll, you'll okay. probably start seeing ads everywhere for it. Um, which is, um. Which is which is a big deal. This is the first time we've had a product market fit like this that we could really scale that type of ad campaign. We've done ad campaigns before mm -hmm. for like other things, the RAS product and that sort of thing, but we never were able to to crack the onboarding nut, the rebuying nut, to where I could really justify scaling mm -hmm. that up. Now we have a product we can do that with. So, all that to be said, um, you know, as as that comes down the pipe, we're we're, we're definitely looking around with uh, with football to kind of be that that next major release of. Um, add dollars and, and growth opportunity. Now, the the auction itself, the V2 auction, so coming back to mm -hmm. that, one of the things that we are we want to do, and I made a tweet about this a while back, is that I I also want to normalize auction of digital collectibles. I think it's an important okay. piece of the puzzle for the for the market. And so when you think about it in physical cards, what are the comps that we trust absolutely the most and we and helps us find validity in pricing right it's the auction based mm -hmm. comps where yep. you know nothing fishy on ebay it's it's through a big auction house those are the ones that we we validate the most and it also allows things to not just sit illiquid for a, forever like a lot of times you know you'll see somebody they'll come in and they'll list a digital asset and you look at it and you're like well that's not it's never going to sell at that price um, right, right. and maybe they're just, maybe, maybe they're, maybe they just, maybe they're just showing it off and they want to have it listed sometimes, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. and, and this isn't just us. I'm talking about across all the digital space, but I really believe that if someone can rip a card out of a pack, they rip a nice card. They don't really, they want it. They want liquidity for it. They don't know exactly mm -hmm. what it's worth. How do we do that? We auction it off. That's how it works in physical right. cards all the time. And then sometimes what you'll have is you'll have buyers that'll come in and they may de-risk that person, meaning in a physical card, you rip a card and you, you think it'll auction for 20 grand. Well, the person that pulled it's a little afraid of that. They're afraid they're going to list it and it's only going to get two grand. So right. you'll find market makers that'll come in and they may give them five or eight, de-risk mm -hmm. the person that pulled it. And then they'll turn around and auction the thing off. And we don't have any of that in digital. It's just non-existent. Like people right. don't auction their board apes unless they get liquidated in a, in a um 
alone or something and gets taken from them and then it gets right, auctioned. Right. We, don't have, we don't have people auctioning. So I want right. to make the auction something that you all in the community can use and use mm -hmm. it for your your digital collectibles. If you have a vault token and you want to auction your vault token, you can do that. And so we want to build one platform that allows for mm -hmm. all of that. And so what you're going to see in the hopefully not too distant future, you'll see the block packs vault get added to the marketplace. That will basically then expose the current our current market to every card that's currently in the block packs vault. The the, the one that's got the most cards, the polygon vault, the one that's the oldest. Not the oldest, but the one that has the most activity in it. If you have a card in the old BPX, or excuse me, in the BPX auction vault and you want to move it over, you can redeem and get a new vault token in the block packs vault. I don't right. want to have multiple okay. vaults in the marketplace. I feel like that'd be confusing. It's e I think it'll be better to just let people mm -hmm. redeem into that one. So once that's done, that is where we will run the auctions from. So mm -hmm. we will actually then vault token the cards into the block packs vault, and then we will list them all for auction around the auction time. At that same time, if you want to list a card for auction, you, you could basically get this, get it from the fact that we have that same auction going on. We can certainly right. do UI things where you know the exact cards that we've put up for auction, but it will all operate within seamlessly within the marketplace. And the other thing that will mm -hmm. allow us to do is it will also then allow us to have another use case for BPX because people will always be able to then buy a physical card just at a spot price, at a buy it now price. We will bring some of our inventory in so that they'll basically, my intent is there'll always be cards that are listed for sale in the marketplace in, in the block packs vault. And then that same, the same vault that's the same, the same storefront that's doing the, that has those buy it now listings, that's where the auctions will also participate. So you won't go to a separate site for it. It'll, it'll just be right, right, right into it'll all be right there, right into the core market is how is how we're envisioning, and that sure. that increases the the technical lift because now everything has to interact with each other. Once we build that feature right. in, that feature has to work for everything. So that that's part of another reason why there's a little bit of an extension on, uh, right. on time to out. But, but that's what we're and that is all part of the version two auction yep. platform. Yep. Okay, and um, now I know we have HGH football coming. Yep. Uh, next a week from tomorrow actually right yep um so i know you anticipate um from the national from all the sales of the national that will be uh hopefully uh, bringing in a lot of new people uh possibly into the discord and just into the uh into hgh in general um are there any new features coming in version two of the auction that will benefit those new people that are coming in or make it a little bit easier for them i mean oh, obviously it'll... it's going to be gasless yeah, sure. it's going to be credit cards are going to be yeah, able to yeah. be used yeah they'll never have to have a crypto wallet like so they'll right. be able to do everything they'll be able to hold their the same way right now when you when you go on block packs and you click your your name and you see your collection if you have a if you've bought a card at auction it'll it'll show up right in there the same way mm -hmm. so absolutely it'll be night and day for them like they'll the other thing you notice is because we don't have to operate now within because the, 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 like the MetaMask browser, I mean, being able to go into block packs and do my buying and selling of like my cards mm -hmm. of, and doing that in the Safari web browser, I mean, it's night and day better. And, yeah. and, just, it just, and so, so they're not going to have to, nobody's going to have to tell them, get the MetaMask app, use this browser, right, right. change back and forth. None of that, none of that. And mm -hmm. so, and they're not going to come in necessarily armed with, you know, BPX in their account. So their main method right. is going to be spot buying with the credit card or loading credit with their credit card so that they mm -hmm. can then have the same click, 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 click and, and make everything really easy for them. Now, um, it was brought up too in the community that um, someone noticed that as it works right now, if you use a credit card for a transaction, there's a significant fee to use that credit card. Um, it, I think it was as much as possibly around a hundred dollars difference between the BPX cash equivalent and then what the credit well, card total would depends, end up it depends being. On, yeah, it depends on how big the item is for sure. But like we, right. we have, we, so, so for us, the secondary market is the secondary market, but for us, BPX, we, we basically have a price that we honor the BPX at, and that's the price that we work off of. If you think back to the, when we did the RAS right after the, right after the first BPX drop. 
Um, right. the, I think you could have gotten BPX on Uniswap at that point for a nickel. We took it at seven cents. So okay. if you paid for if you paid in BPX, you know you were you you basically got a huge discount versus using the credit card. And then same thing here, we've kind of got a spot price that we've set on it. It's not floating. It's a, it's a set spot price. It, that spot price will probably get adjusted from time to time. But if you have BPX, it's our preference in the marketplace that you use the BPX. Right. Um, the credit card is the spot by price that you would that you would use. And so it's not there's it's not like there's a markup built in. It's not like we're it's it's, it's not floating off the price. It's just here's the price that we've pegged it at, and we'll reassess that periodically from time to time. Um, what we recognize it at and what the secondary market chooses to recognize it out, they, they may be too, they, those, those things can be different for sure. And it can right. go, it, it, can, it could also go both ways. I mean, it's, it's, it, it could theoretically, the market could, there could be days where the market is recognizing it a little higher, but I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it, the, but the other thing too, is like when somebody comes in and they load a credit balance, one of the things you can expect is this, and this, this, and th this will make it a lot more, I guess, friendly for credit card users. If you come in and you want to spot buy something, um, we have that price that we recognize it at. That's the price. But if you want to load a store credit, um, if you want to only put in $25, we probably just put in a $25 store credit. If you, however, there may be tiers where if you put in $100, we'll actually credit you for $110. If you put in $500, oh, okay. maybe you get credited for $600. Those are those that serves a couple of purposes. It serves a marketing right. purpose for us because it helps to drive people to a high and, and then what that does is now they've invested more into the the secondary market, their their account that they can now spend, mm -hmm. right? So they put more in, right. they can spend more. And so there's there's dials we can turn in that. If every if we were trying to just match a spot price all the time to Uniswap, I have no flexibility in those type of promotions, right? Right. So right. those are just some different reasons for it. Um it's it's unapologetically favoring BPX right now, um, right? And uh, and that's but that's that is definitely um, it's it's by design. But it cuts both ways. If we recognize it higher, and you'll see when we do like Wonders of the First, I mean we're going to have a price that we're going to recognize it at. Um, right. Wonders of the First, when that time for that comes for those that aren't on the free mint list, um, there'll probably be BPX option. There'll probably be an ETH option, and you will probably be better off if you already had your own. BPX to spend, frankly. So you'll, right. you'll, see, you'll see that trend continue. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, I, I understand that. And I think uh, the explanational, you know, is very clear for everyone. And yeah, and it's a way to encourage people to buy BPX. Like instead of doing that spot using purchase it, yeah, with your credit the, card. Native, yeah, use the native currency. It's better yeah. for all of us. Like mm -hmm. our, when we, when we introduce credit card payments, while we want to do it and provide those rails, um, you know, a crypto credit card processor is almost, it's right at 10%. Like just the fee, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's yeah, just which is incredibly high in retail. Sure, absolutely. If you yeah, absolutely, if you're swiping that card in yeah. public, it's you know down, I guess, a percent or so. Or so it's, oh, no, um, it's most credit cards top out at like four percent for uh, like in my business in the bar and restaurant business, um, the most we'd have on a credit card is four percent probably. From yeah. the you know our transaction fee from the credit card company, and a lot of people don't understand too is that you know it used to be that Discover had one uh, you know percentage fee, uh, Mastercard had another. Now it goes by the individual card, not the provider. So like Mastercard could have different you know they have a thousand product. different cards. They could essentially have a thousand different you know um, you know that between two and four percent charge right yeah yeah so it's um again our so what we're hoping we're hoping that new users are going to come in and we're going to try to create reasons for them to load store credit so that they have enough to operate with in the secondary market and right. um and they will the more that they the more they lean in the more they put in the closer they'll be to probably what you're getting using native BPX. Right. So that's what you can kind of expect. The person that just wants to do it in small increments, they're they're gonna have a there'll be an implied, I don't I hate to use the word penalty, but there, there's there's gonna be a difference in that spread. That spread will get much, much closer mm -hmm. when you when you if you put in five hundred or a thousand dollars preloaded than you would if you only loaded twenty five dollars. All right, excellent. And um 
let's just finish up kind of the the version two auction stuff for now with um is there anything else you can think of off the top of your head that maybe um we don't know about yet or something that's being worked on that uh that'll be nice for us <laughs> um the, the version two of the auctions i do anticipate you will have max bidding so you'll be able to max oh, bid okay. and walk, walk away so that'll be a nice feature i think for people people mm -hmm. And I think that'll also probably um, that 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 that's a that's been a very highly requested feature. And then I have to explain: well, we really can't do that on the blockchain because if you put in a transaction and you set what your max bid is, everybody knows what your max bid is on the blockchain. Right. Um, right. And and the other thing is, is like we we have talked about this. We've had other discussions, but we are there's just no way around it. We are sacrificing some of that transparency for functionality. Um, right. I've actually got lawyers right now trying to help me understand there's actually laws and rules around privacy that are concerning on the buy side. Seller side, you can basically say who sold something, what they sold it for. But on the on the on the buy side, we're trying to understand to what level of opt-in do we need before I tell someone and let the market know Tex Hooper bought this particular card. When you go on eBay and do that, nobody knows right. that you bought that card. Nobody knows that you buy a card on Golden or PWCC. And there's actually privacy laws that I'm that I'm concerned about around that that we're having to try to work through. So like, if you look in our marketplace right now, um, I approved them to show sellers, but they're not yet approved to show buyers. And so I just want people right. to understand, we tried to go one particular route with the blockchain and some of the things that the blockchain provided, the other side of that, people rejected it. Gas, right. slowness, inability to max bid, complexity, mm -hmm. having to have a wallet in the first place. And so we're trading those things out for simplicity, but folks have to understand what that means. That does come with, we're gonna be a little bit closer to eBay yep. now than we are to, um, to the other side. Now, what we will do is we are designing solutions that to avoid no pays um, because the, the money is the, right, the, the BPX right. is already in custody. If someone bids there, it, they're going to, it's paid. You're not going to be able to bid unless you can pay the bill. So, right. um, so that's uh, that, that's a feature. And if, and to the extent that um, I'm actually looking into some things like, because there are some buyers, we, the, the, there are some people that, I mean, I know some of these people personally, like when I buy at golden, or PWCC, I don't pre-fund it, right? eBay is starting mm -hmm. to make you pre-fund some stuff, um, but they give me a credit balance, but now they don't make good on that credit balance. Meaning if I don't pay, they will tell the consigner, you had a no pay and they'll rerun the card. Right. That's the line in the sand that I don't, we're not going to have no pays. A card that gets bought is going to be paid. Um, but what we may do is we may float credit to some buyers um and then mm -hmm. and so so but that'll be we're, i have to figure out exactly how that's going to work it'll it would have like a credit approval process but if we've got somebody right. that wants to come in and they want to be really active on a lot of stuff and they just and they want a twenty thousand dollar balance or you know credit line um right we, we would we're, we're looking at some solutions like that as possibilities but all right but expect that not to be there day one expect day one you have to fund it right um, and then we'll and then we'll go from there on that stuff and try to figure out how mm -hmm. to how to maximize the liquidity into our into our auctions and not because again I'm looking at the auctions holistically. I'm not just looking at the reward auction. I want to maximize liquidity. If if someone if if someone that I believe will pay their bill wants to buy your ferocious 10x color pop for ten thousand dollars and they don't want to preload that until they know they've won the auction because that that's the reason right it's it's like right, it's like right. it's not that I'm not going to pay it's just that I don't want to pay until I know I've won as a as a right. as a high end buyer i want that high end buyer to be able to provide you liquidity for that barocious and i don't right. want him to not him or her to not bid because they're like well i'm not going to prefund it to bid i'm just not going to do it i'd rather let them bid mm -hmm. and then bill them and then and then, and then get the money but if we do that I'm going to be on the hook. We, the company, we're going to fund you right. when it sells. And then it's up to us. Either if then if they don't pay me, well, I own your Barocious card now and I got to resell yeah. it. So <laughs> that's kind of how we're looking to do it. And I think that's going to be a, a big difference for people, you know, that um, because I do think yeah. there's, especially at the top end of liquidity, it doesn't matter as much on the $20 thing. Mm -hmm. It matters on the 
the $10,000 thing. That's where right. buyers aren't going to want to necessarily always pre-fund. They're going to want to bid and know that they've won and then they pay their bill. That's just that's right. just how a lot of these Web2 people, the higher end, that's how they're going to want to work. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's definitely something to look forward to. Um, we have a few minutes to go here before we get to wrap up because we do have an hour limit on here. All right. But um, with HGH football coming next week, uh, is there anything you'd like to tell us about that? Is there a time we can expect the uh, set list or the um, yeah, uh, I don't wanna, checklist I don't wanna, to drop? Yeah, I don't want to jump the team's plans on that stuff. I've tried to remain mostly mute, mm -hmm. um, but uh, the, you know, it's it's. Well, I will say this: we are on schedule for that. I told you we weren't on right. schedule for the auction. Okay. We are on scale for the on schedule for the rip. We don't anticipate a delay. Knock on wood. Um, and uh, and you know the team has a a rollout strategy and plan for how that stuff's going to go. So I don't want to I don't want to jump in front of them on that. But um, I'll tell you, Justin Jefferson's in. Everybody's number one pick <laughs> in their fantasy draft. He, he's on the set list. So his wonderful. Do we do we get his name? A, uh, his inspired hero's name is Jay Jets, and uh, he's nice. pretty he's pretty cool. We tapped into his uh, into his speed, and he's uh, he's got some really interesting boots that. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Give you a little alpha. I, a little I, I don't want to. I don't want to push too much, but is there a date we can expect the the checklist to come out? Um, I don't. There, there is one, but I don't know. I don't know what that date was. I can't remember what it was on our calendar, so I don't want to misquote it. But I can probably. I can probably get. I can probably find that out, and we can drop that in Discord for you. But no um, worries. We, we want to have a lot of excitement right around. We want, we don't want to have the buzz die. Right. So we're right, and, right. and we've kind of mm -hmm. been guilty of that sometimes we don't, we're not, we haven't been great at managing hype. It's just not what we're wired for. So we're trying to make this one a little, a little, a little more right. thrilling and exciting. So. All right. Well, before we say goodbye and uh, give Frenchie the last word here, I just want to thank everybody for watching. Uh, this has been a BPX after dark production with Radis. Digital Studios, um, the media partner of Blackpacks. Frenchie, do you have any final words for us? And I can ramble all day about this stuff. I'm super excited about it, but <laughs> I, I know you're up against time here. I don't want to run us over, but uh, yeah, super excited about the football release, super excited about the new features that are just, if, if you notice, there's been a fairly decent drip of new features coming into the marketplace, little, little mm -hmm. tweaks and improvements here. Uh, really, really excited with how that's been received so far. Um, I think we're on to something pretty special and uh, I, I hope people are really starting to see some of this stuff start to crystallize as, as we're starting to see some of this stuff come together. The peanut butter and jelly is, is really starting to come together. Perfect. Well, this has been great. I think people are going to love it. Uh, thank you for so much for the time and um, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Tex. You've been listening to BPX After Dark Auction Edition, which is broadcast live each Sunday night in Twitter spaces at Radish Digital. That's digital with a J. Hosted by the members of the Radish Cabal, JRP, Tex Hooper, Rody, and Jerzane. We want to thank you, the listener. A special thanks to those in the audience who raised their hand and came on stage helping to make BPX the best community in real life or in Web3. BPX is a community built by collectors for collectors. That's it for this show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week on the Auction Block.